Do you often attribute your success to luck or external factors rather than acknowledging your own abilities? Are you constantly bothered by even the smallest mistakes in your work? Does self-doubt hinder your ability to take action and execute your plans? In today's episode, we will explore the topic of imposter syndrome and its impact on women in their careers. We'll dig into how this phenomenon can affect confidence and success, and most importantly, discuss strategies to overcome. Welcome to the Girls of Grit podcast, hosted by Annalisa Rhodes and Cynthia Ficarra, two professional women bringing you over 40 years experience as top performers, top earners, and leaders in the male-dominated medical device industry. Grounded in grit, our mission is to cultivate a platform that will pave the way for women to stand at the forefront of leadership, driving positive change, and shaping the landscape of traditionally male-dominated industries. We are dedicated to fostering an environment where women not only face challenges head-on, but also thrive as leaders, charting their unique course to CEO status of their own chosen career paths. Welcome to the Girls of Grit podcast. It's time to dig in. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning to all of our listeners. Good morning, Lisa, and good morning, everyone out there. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Girls of Grit. So today we are talking about uh, a term that I feel comes up in a lot of conversations, whether it's in an interview that you and I have done or when we're presenting just in general, when we're talking about women, this term comes up a lot. And that term is imposter syndrome. And I will tell you, Cindy, for a while, I just kind of rolled my eyes at the term imposter syndrome because I'm like, really, what is that? I think that's like a new age term. I don't really know what that means. And I never really looked into the definition of imposter syndrome until you and I decided that this would be a great topic to discuss in our episode today. And what I found really interesting, and I will let you define it for our listeners, is I may suffer from imposter syndrome. And that really surprised me. That's really interesting. And, you know, um, on that note, I'm just going to go right into defining it so we can be clear on where we're going with our topic of discussion today. So back in 1978, there were two clinical psychologists that actually turned, defined this term of imposter syndrome, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. And this is how they define it. Imposter syndrome is the condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally, despite being high performing in external objective ways. This condition often results in people feeling like a phony and doubting their abilities. With imposter syndrome, a person doesn't feel confident or competent regardless of what they achieve. They don't experience the joy of success because they're always waiting for their inadequacy, and the term they used was fraudulence to come to light. 
You know, it's really interesting. And it's so, there was a lot of focus when we did a lot of research. We came up with a lot of articles. And one thing that really caught my attention is that it was first conceptualized and really known to be a phenomenon for women and very high achieving women. Now, further research um, continued to show that it really does affect both men and women. And, you know, a lot of that deals with like self-sabotaging their own success. And I found that extremely interesting. Yeah. And when you talk about self-sabotage, it's like, that's such a big word. And so, you know, I think for me, and I'm just going to say this to really bring it in for me personally and, and for our listeners to kind of understand how I'm looking at it at least is, you know, I don't, so in some of the research, it talks about maybe the stem from childhood and I'm not really sure, you know, could it have stemmed from childhood potentially? Yes, probably so. But for me, when I read about the imposter syndrome, I do a lot of when I reach a certain goal or I, I have great success, like let's just say president's club, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, you know, that's awesome. Or are you going to do president's club again this year? Are you going to make it this year? And my comments are always, well, I'm just going to pull another rabbit out of my hat. I'm going to try and pull that rabbit out of my hat insinuating that it's like magic that all of a sudden I'm there up on stage. And it's not magic. It's not magic when you work really hard for something and you achieve it. It's hard work. And I think that self-sabotage comes in when I downplay or when someone downplays what it took to get to where you're at in your success, in your career, what you've achieved. And it's just so, I don't know, it's, it, you don't even realize you're doing it. And I definitely do that. But I think that for me is a lot of imposter syndrome. And I I don't even think I realize that I do it a lot, but I bet a lot of women and men out there can, they probably understand the way that I'm understanding it. I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Cindy? Well, I, I think that's when I'm listening to you, that I, I'm, I'm hearing almost the evolution of psyching yourself out, how you think you can do it, then you question, you know, a lot of that is really self-doubt in what you can apply and what you can do. And you know, interestingly enough, Lisa, I think there really are a lot more people out there that have imposter syndrome, like you said at the very beginning. What really is this? Do we really know? But once we started reading, I mean, there's people that come to mind that, wow, I mean, self-doubt can really impact your career. And, you know, I think the important part of today's discussion is we want to really bring this term to you know, your attention to see, should this affect you? And so why it's important, we don't want this to hinder your work. So we're going to talk about how you know if you have it and then what to do to overcome this. So I'm going to start with some questions that I want to throw out there, anybody listening, and see if any of this resonates with you. So if we're talking about imposter syndrome, one question you can ask yourself <clears throat> is, do you find yourself excessively dwelling on minor mistakes or just even imperfections in your work? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. Um, I think I know I do. I mean, I can absolutely, oh, I can make a lot of mistakes big or small and man, I just run them over in my head over and over again. It's like a little internal beating of myself. I just really beat myself up over my mistakes and it's like, okay, you made the mistake. Let's learn from the mistake and then let's move on. Let's get better at it versus just 
beating the crap out of yourself because maybe you made a mistake. Maybe it wasn't even a big mistake, but to you, because you're holding yourself to this crazy standard, you just beat yourself up over it. And you, and you also think that everybody else sees it when truthfully, Cindy, it's like that. It's like when you perform, when, when I was singing a long time ago, you know, you, I would say the wrong words to a verse. Well, the only person other than, because it was in Italian, the only person other than myself <laughs> that knew it was probably my voice teacher, right? Or my piano player, not my pianist, not the people out in the crowd listening to an, an aria in Italian. They don't have a clue what you're saying. So it's like, but you just beat yourself up. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. So it's like, sometimes people don't even pick up on your small mistakes because number one, they probably do it all the time. But number two, maybe it isn't even a mistake, but you just beat yourself up excessively over it. And yeah, that's, that's not good because you're not going to get anywhere. It just continues that downward, you know, self-sabotage cycle of just saying, oh, I'm not worth it. I can't earn it. I, you know, I don't deserve it. That kind of bad self-talk. Right. And it can ruin a moment. You know, when you were just talking about when nobody can pick up when an Italian word is wrong, you know what that made me think of is when you're a bride and if something goes wrong, <sighs> you think everybody knows you missed something in the wedding, but guess what? It's not like every single wedding is the same. Have you ever been to a wedding that's exactly the same oh and you gosh. know they missed this part like a play? No. And why, why let a bride stress over, oh, somebody moved the flowers to the wrong spot when it's the joy of the moment. And you know, that's like work you know, just put yourself in where you are and stop doubting everything that's coming along the way. But you know what, as women, high achieving women, many of us are perfectionists. And that's kind of also down the role of, you know, well, I want this to be perfect. This needs to be spot on. And when you make a mistake, you got to just go to the next beat. You can't harp on that moment that's so wrong and then let that just suck your confidence down and prevent you from going to the next thing you're doing. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Great point. You're right, the wedding. I mean, I just recently was married and it's like, you see all the wrong things, but nobody else sees it. They're all there to party, celebrate you and have a good time. So it's like- Your you wedding gotta, was beautiful. Well, I never you. noticed a glitch. <laughs> Had there been one? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, there were many. There were many. See, I didn't um, know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't I get the script. You so, didn't give me the script. You're right. So note to self, it's like a wedding. Just move on, carry on, carry on. All right. Let's move on to number two, which is another great example of potentially, are you, are you, do you have imposter syndrome? Do you tend to attribute your accomplishments solely to luck, pulling a rabbit out of your hat or external circumstances? Oh, so-and-so did this, or this, this is all because of this person rather than acknowledging your own abilities and efforts. Boy. And you know, sometimes yeah. I feel like people do this when they're afraid of the outcome. Like even though they just made a little bit of success, right away there's going to be some type of excuse or some type of whatever, just in case <clears throat> the ball drops. And I see this, you know, where I also see this is um, I think back to like high school and college. And when people are studying for tests and there's somebody who studied really, really hard, but then they're not going to admit it, it's going to be like, well, no, I just, I just glanced at it because I don't want anybody to know how hard I worked in case I don't achieve that A plus. Oh my God, girl. I did that. <laughs> did you know me in college? Did you know me hey, in high you school? you know what? I did that in high school. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Absolutely. You're like, no, I just study. I just breezed over this. Meanwhile, you spent like five hours, like writing down on little tiny <laughs> index cards, every little note. So you could like impression it into your brain. Oh, I totally did that. But you know, that's a really good example of trying. And it could be a fear of not only like the fear of either the failure or the success, right? It's either one or holding you back and you just would rather just not acknowledge it and push it off to something else. And I don't know. I think that, you know, maybe as we get older, we we start to realize that none of that really matters. And you've got to take ownership of everything, good and bad, because you learn from your mistakes as well as you learn from your successes. So that's a that's a great example. I like that. All right. Yes. We have another question. So there's yeah. total of five. We're on number three. These were five things that Lisa and I thought um, could help you identify should you identify with imposter syndrome. So our third question is this, are you highly sensitive to even well-intentioned feedback or constructive criticism and then often taking it personally? Uh, This is huge. I think (laughs) this is one of the number one things. I agree with you. You know, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, so the other day I was in the car with my son and I was talking to him about, you know, some things with school and his sports and And I was like giving him all this feedback and I could tell he was like, just kind of tuning me out. And I'm like, dude, you need to understand that this is constructive criticism. I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm just giving this as a outsider looking in opinion of X, Y, Z. And it's like, it it hit me. I think we did this even as a young age. I mean, I think that this is kind of impressioned in us since we are children because criticism is hard and and it's all in the way that it's um, presented to you. And I think if it's presented in a harsh way, then obviously we're going to be really confrontational with it when it's presented in like a very self-help constructive way in a, in a kind way, I think that we're more open to it. And, you know, you can't control how other people are going to give you that feedback, even if it is well-intentioned, they may not realize that they themselves are handing it to you in a way that is really going to offend you and make you close off whatever they're trying to tell you. And it really could be well-intentioned, but you just take it so personally and you get so confrontational that you just shut down. And, you know, I'm just going to interject um, something that we discussed in a previous episode regarding feedback. And so had you missed a previous episode, but we're on this topic now, I think it's important that you are someone who feels this way. And again, we can identify it as imposter syndrome. But if you feel this way and hold you back from work, one in your work, one thing you can do is set up a time with your um, supervisor, manager, leader, and say, you know, maybe every Friday or the 30th of every month, I'd like us to sit down and go over maybe two positives and one negative. I don't want to use the word negative. The word I use is areas of growth. So maybe two things I'm doing right, one thing I really need to work on. Or maybe it's we need to take a deep dive into something. But if you set up a time knowing we're going to have a conversation on what's working and what's not, it doesn't come across as a personal attack. So this is something that if you feel this way, reach out to your leadership and say, can we do this next month? I'd like to try an evaluation of where I am, but then you know you're sitting down to hear something that's going to make you better. Wow, that's really adult of you, Cindy, to point that out. <laughs> Sorry, I just make you spit out your coffee. So, tell your son, tell your son, okay, on Sunday of every week, just kidding. <laughs> no, but it is being an adult. It's being like, the, you know, you're handling it in a very adult way versus just that highly reactive 
you know, taking it personally, you're, you're, you're standing back, you're saying, okay, this may be better off, better served. If we, we set out the time, we make the appointment and we sit down together and we discuss this in a very rational business-like format. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I probably could use that. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of reassurance <laughs> on, on what you're talking about, yeah. you know, saying, hear me in a whole good way. No. Okay. Number four, do you constantly fear being exposed feeling like others will eventually discover that you are not as competent as they perceive. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm trying to figure this out of the fear of being exposed. Maybe that's just more of that, like self-sabotage of you questioning what got you to where you're at. Maybe, um, you know, thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, oh, no. I, I'm, I'm interested actually to hear what you have to say, because that one, I, this one I'm actually kind of struggling with. So this one, I automatically think of people that there's, there's been multiple people I've seen throughout when I've switched jobs. Take, for instance, somebody brand new. What is somebody we tell a brand new trainee and employee? This is your ticket to ask any question you want. Nobody's going to, you know, harp on you if you ask something that's quote unquote a dumb question. And what do we say? Nothing is a dumb question. Now, let's say that you are somebody one year or two years out that either didn't take the time to learn something before or forgot. And now they feel too afraid to ask. So they have to hide what they don't know because they're not as confident in the knowledge that they should have and they're afraid that they're going to be exposed into not knowing something. So instead of just asking or finding a way, they will cover things up and, and it, but it's evident in what they do and trying to skirt excuses. Well, we can't do that because of this or, or, you know, just always making an excuse around something that if they just peeled back the layers, they would see this is an area that they just need more knowledge on. An area of growth. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm actually thinking about this. So there was not that long ago, there was something that I was struggling with uh, in terms of learning. I don't know if it was anatomy or procedure, whatever it was. And I was honestly, I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know the answer. So I went to someone who I knew wouldn't judge me for asking them the question. And then I asked them and then I learned it. So maybe it's also the fear of being judged because here you are like me, for example, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. I should know the answers to that, right? I should know the answers, honestly, to everything, but nobody's like that. (laughs) So exactly. There you go. Imposter syndrome. Um, (laughs) So, you know, but you feel like you should, you, you really do. And you beat yourself up when you don't. And so then when you find that area of growth that you need to learn more about something, you want to hide it. You don't want people to know that you actually don't know the answer to something when it's actually much better if you just admit that you didn't know it and then go learn it and learn it from a correct source. So then now you know it and now you're, you know, now you're not an expert, but you know more about that subject than you did before. And I don't know, that's a lot of self-growth there, but that's, that's, yeah, I can say that I've done that for sure. Well, let me ask you this. How did you feel after you had the answer? Oh, I felt great. I felt more empowered. I felt like, okay, now I feel confident and secure when I'm asked about this procedure. The next time I can intelligently discuss this with 
whomever is asking me the questions versus eh, try and cover it up, like you said, or skirt around exactly. the issue. And then think about it. If before you didn't know it, you're like, oh, this isn't good. But what if you didn't ask? You would be asked that again. And that would be double as painful as it yeah. was the time before, triple as painful. And people who do not stop to fix it, it will impact time and time again. And what's going to happen? You're going to get paralyzed. You are going to paralyze yourself in going forward and you're going to be stuck. And honestly, can we really grow in our business if we're stuck? Yeah, that's a great point, Cindy. Great point. All right. Number five, do you tend to downplay or underestimate your own expertise, even in areas where you genuinely do possess more knowledge and skills compared to others? So this is kind of the opposite of that, but it's true. You know, here, here we are, right? You and I, we've been in this business for a very long time. We are experts in our job. We do know a lot about a lot. Uh, and people come to us. I mean, we're trainers. So, you know, that is something that you need to be positive about, but do you downplay it or underestimate it? And I can say that I will say sometimes, well, you know, this is how I've done it. And this is how I think about X, Y, Z, but maybe you want to go ask somebody else. And, and I find myself doing that every now and then. And I do, I, I second guess myself. I guess it's more of like a second guess type thing where you're like, Hmm, maybe I'm not as good as that next person. And then here's the catch. What's really funny is when that, when that other person either chimes in or gives the person that was asking you like the trainee, the information, and you're like, huh. I not only said the exact same thing, but I actually knew more than the other person did to begin with. Then you're like, geez, why did I do that? Why did I question my knowledge and expertise in this subject? And I pushed that trainee off to somebody else. Why didn't I just take, why didn't I take full ownership of that? You know, this is what I find so intriguing about imposter syndrome is that exactly what you said, perfect example of that question. But I have another take as imposter syndrome on this, as I do feel guilty. So the question was, do you downplay or underestimate your own expertise, even in areas where you generally possess knowledge and skill compared to others? So I am very guilty of being with someone who I know is less knowledgeable about something. And if that person says to me, oh, well, oh, you kind of knew that, where I feel like I could say so much more, I could go on more. And instead of just saying, yes, I do know this, I think I tend to downplay so I don't make them feel incompetent. And that's not really fair. What I should do is thank them, acknowledge it, and then just maybe expand more. But there's times where I feel like, well, I know so much more, but I'm just not going to say anything or I'm just going to, like, I just try and I, and I almost feel myself putting a lid on my head and I shouldn't do that. But yeah. that's how I, inter that's how I take that. That's where yes. I downplay. Yeah, that's pretty big too. And you're right. You kind of flipped that, but that's so true. I mean, that's when you should be, you know, so proud of everything that you know, but yet you're trying to kind of put a lid on it, like you said, just so you don't make other people feel bad. But that's, that's not what you need to do. You need to be proud of it because they're coming to you for those answers. So, and the more you can give them, and you know, what's interesting on that note, um, I was doing a training session with one of my trainees and I was just kind of talking about some different things. And I was like, but you probably know this, don't you? And he was like, no, I, I didn't know that. I mean, sincerely did not know that. And I'm like, really? And he's like, no, can you tell me more? And then it was like this whole, like, you know, spiel of, 
da 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 whatever. And he was like, holy crap, thanks so much, Lisa. I, I didn't know any of this. I'm really glad you talked about it. And what was interesting is it was brought up on his testing um, oh. from one of the surgeons and he knew the answers. And he was like, oh. if you hadn't said that to me, I would have never known it. So it's funny because we assume sometimes that people know more than they do or that they're learning other things from other people and the other people are teaching them more than we can teach them. But at the end of the day, if they've come to you for that information, you should be okay with giving them all the information and not kind of downplaying it because you don't want to seem too boisterous or too overconfident in what you know. Love and the sometimes, fact that you know. Yeah. And sometimes just accepting a compliment from somebody makes people uncomfortable. You know, yeah. I think that's a whole nother topic in itself, but yeah. you know, and you just wonder why, like they're complimenting you. And again, we are females in a male dominated world. And sometimes women downplay things because they don't want, even if a man compliments them, they don't want to boisterously make that compliment bigger than it really is. I don't know why we do that. At least I know I've done that in the past. Um, I should just accept the compliment, own my knowledge and move on. Yes, because men do. (laughs) Men take those compliments (laughs) like, damn right I am. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some ways to overcome this imposter syndrome. And for me, the biggest thing for me, I think, is that self-affirmation is so important. You know, you need to, you're going to constantly question yourself off, did I deserve to be on the stage? Did I deserve all those accolades? All of this hard work is deserving. And I really, truly believe that it's that voice in your head that tells you to question things. And you know, you need to really remind yourself to be kind to yourself, right? I mean, I I say a lot of times to myself, would I have said this to my daughter? And if the answer is no, then why the heck am I saying it to myself? So I think self-affirmation is so important for us, especially as women, because you just pointed out such a great point, Cindy. Men take those compliments and man, they take those suckers to the bank. Women, on the other hand, we are like, oh, well, thank you. And then we're like, Hmm, did I really deserve that? And ooh, I feel so uncomfortable. I need to compliment them back right away. And it's like, no, take the compliment, know that you deserved it and and receive it. Don't just question it. So I think self-affirmation is so important. I I love that. Get out of your head, practice that strong self-talk, Lisa. I think think you're spot on. And you know, in overcoming imposter syndrome, one of the first things is always to just be aware if you have this, you know, we threw out five questions we talk a lot on this podcast about being aware of yourself. And what's really funny is honestly, Lisa and I both realize parts of us that actually have imposter syndrome, which if you would ask me last week, I'd be like, no, I don't even know what that is. I don't have that. And, and we were able to identify small portions of, wow, maybe we do do this. It's very, very interesting. So being aware is number one. And then recognizing and not being afraid to verbalize this with somebody because when you talk to somebody they can help you like for instance you recognize you didn't know something you could have given into imposter syndrome and not seek uh, sought out the answer that you needed to go forward and but you did and i think that's huge you overcame that moment of where you didn't know something and now look you were confident you went in um the example of your trainee he asked for help. He got it. He got it right on his test. I mean, it's amazing when you just don't give in to the doubt, to the question, to the, I'm so worried what the outcome is going to be if I ask. So I think the other thing that's really important in overcoming 
imposter syndrome is really making realistic expectations out of your abilities. So, you know, are, are these doubts that you're putting in your head rational or not? One thing you can do is write them down. Like this is an area that I need to grow on, you know, um, something very important when you're talking about your own personal growth is not to compare yourself to others. Let it inspire you, but don't oh, yeah. let it hinder you. Absolutely. So, this is something that we can recognize, but again, our career is a journey in growing and getting better. So do not let imposter syndrome stop you and don't make it feel like it's going to hold you back. I think that's really, really important. So Lisa, I have found this conversation today to be very enlightening. And now I see that imposter syndrome can have a significant impact on our mindset and our self-perception when it comes to our abilities and achievements just in our careers. So in summary, we've discussed imposter syndrome and defining this phenomenon as really doubting our own skills and talents and accomplishments. Also looking at how to identify if this relates to us and knowing what to do. And one discovery is that I think you and I have learned that imposter syndrome can really manifest in many different ways. So recognize this presence of imposter syndrome is crucial. Um, I believe that it you know, allows us to address these negative impressions within ourselves and then implement these strategies that we have discussed to overcome. And I want you to remember that many successful individuals experience imposter syndrome at some point in their career. Yes, absolutely. You are not alone. I'm raising my hand because I definitely have it. So I'm right there with you. So today, our call to action is pretty simple. It's all about self-discovery. Take some time now to review the five questions that we discussed earlier in our episode and see if you can relate to any of them. If you find that you do, write them down on the areas where you think you can grow and improve. Remember, you have the power to stop the imposter from taking over. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Girls of Grit. We are so happy to have you here today. Please don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. All you need is a little bit of grit to be your best today and build for tomorrow. Find us on Instagram at The Girls of Grit, our website, thegirlsofgrit.com, and LinkedIn, The Girls of Grit.